Gavin, feed me grapes. <laughs> are, are you not going to feed him grapes, Gavin? Okay, I Emperor am, Jimbo, here you go. I, I hear a lot of laughing and, and a, not a lot of giving me. I am an injured man. Are you sick? I, are you on a grape diet? I no, but I feel like I should have you in a bikini, like like a Roman bikini, uh-huh. like like in old Roman times, feeding me grapes. Jim has been fighting in the Great Console Wars, and unfortunately has been shipped back to us in in lesser health. And I think that the 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 least you can do for a for an injured for an injured soldier of the Console Wars, wounded is, soldier, is is dress up in your bikini and feed him grapes, Gavin. I you think see, that's I, the no, least I, you I can know do. what's going on here, Laura. It's just because you're posh and you want a toga party. That's what's going on here. <laughs> Toga parties are for the, <laughs> they're for the they're for the upper middle class. They uh, they like to think they're upper class, but no, no toga parties. Toga, are not toga. Upper class, my dear. We can have so much banter. <laughs> oh goodness, uh, my friend David Cameron's over there. We're going to make him fuck a pig. Tell him it's a it's a ritual of initiation. Ho ho ho! It'll be so much fun. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you do you remember when David Cameron fucked a pig? That was hilarious for like yeah it, that that is for a the story day that, it lasted. Yeah, we we can't. Like, we will never forget about the fact that once upon a time, David Cameron allegedly, although he totally did it, put his it. penis inside it's a kind, pig. It's yeah, kind exactly. of amazing was... how quickly that story faded as soon as it uh, exploded, though. That's it. I mean, we will never forget, as Laura said, but the world at large just kind of just, just was just like, yeah, that's enough mm. now with the pig stuff. I, I love <laughs> how he <laughs> never even acknowledged it. <laughs> Yeah. For, for a while last year, there was a story that, like, every week on the podcast, I used to at some point mention where the fuck is Beyond Good and Evil 2. I think for this year, this needs to be the new recurring theme. It's nothing to do with video games, but we just need to once a week be like, hey, do you remember that time that David Cameron fucked a pig? Both feet from a pig doing things pig. that pigs don't normally do. Exactly. One of those pigs invents fart boots. One of them has a prime minister inside of it. Ideally. Ideally. Beyond Good and Evil 2 is the David Cameron pig fucking Oh my god. Is is this a Frog Fractions 2 it's type a frog, situation? We're Did dealing, I already yeah. get Beyond Good and Evil 2 and it was David Cameron fucked a pig once? Yep, you've just been fractioned. Oh, burn. Oh no, I'm going down the rabbit hole and I don't know where it ends. Yep. I hope it's somewhere nice and not Beyond Good and Evil 2. <laughs> Your name is Laura though, you, you are on the show with me. I am here. I Hello. do not have to dress in a bikini and give you grapes this week. Um, that is Gavin's job, as we all know. That is that's that's one of the things we made him sign when he signed up for this show. It's just I will be on this show, and if Gavin, if Jim ever gets injured in the console wars, I will get in a bikini and feed him grapes. What kind of what kind of bikini is this? Is it an incy wincy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini, or is it more of a a princess Leia bikini? If you'd like, you can pick. Do you want to wear the do you want to wear the, the itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini or the metal slave layer bikini? I'll leave that up to you, Gavin. Alright, I'll have a think about it. Okay, get back to us by the by show's end at the latest. Because right. we need to know for the fan art. No. Right, I'm just I'll give Timmy Mallet a ring and see if the uh, the copyright is alright on that. I, I am sure that Timmy Mallet will not care if you wear a bikini that happens to be teeny weeny and yellow polka dotted <laughs> and, it, and itsy bitsy. This, this is coincidentally all those things. This week's podcast, by the way, is dedicated to Sir Timothy Mallet, who and his teeny weeny and 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 all of his teeny weeny uh, beachwear attire. Uh, that's a reference. Very few of the listeners are going to get. Um, someone complained that my podcasts aren't professional enough. 
Um, I, I received that complaint yesterday when we debuted the Spin-Off Doctors, which is a, another Jimquisition umbrella brand podcast that I do with Conrad Zimmerman. And someone said that my work isn't professional enough. Um, so for that person, uh, just to let you know, I am on muscle relaxers right now and very sleepy. And I'm not going to let that affect the quality of the show as you can tell from the past five minutes of what i would call solid quality chat yeah now, this this, this is going to be the most professional toga yeah, that was indeed some quality banter cheerio what is it the guy in fresh meat said just call me bantonio banteras <laughs> um if anyone that says that the work that we're doing right now is not professional i will read from google's definition of professional engaged in a specific activity as one's main paid occupation i think that makes this occupational and professional so fuck you well i don't uh. get paid for this podcast so that's that's <laughs> uh, okay you're not professional me and jim though we are professionals yeah you you're, you're just here as an amateur you're just the the spectator in the wing. I just oh, want to no. say, because Gavin Gavin will say that, and then I'll get a load of people saying, oh, it doesn't even pay people with all of his Patreon money. I keep well, he doesn't make Gavin any money, money from this podcast, so... <laughs> I keep offering him money. Yeah, you can't say, like, oh, yeah, I turned down the offer of money, but now, oh, no, I don't get paid. It's not professional. <laughs> <laughs> so well, the podcast the just doesn't exactly generate money, so, you know... It, it does through patreons and whatnot i'm yeah, sure there's a revenue stream that directly. happens somewhere that all being said hello this is a video game podcast we talk about video games sometimes maybe kind of maybe kind of sometimes bit. do we, do a, we teeny want to talk we, about a teeny weeny bit a teeny weeny itsy bitsy, bitsy teeny weeny bit so yeah the video games that happened this week it's been a bit of a shit week again for video game news because this is early january and weird stuff is just like there's just not a lot of stuff that happens in early January. No. Not really. The old Q1, it's... Uh, Everyone's You get a few interesting game releases from stuff that kind of was supposed to be Q4 last year and got mm. pushed back. Yeah. But otherwise, was, not a lot. I, I think it's was, a good thing, though, because last the end of last year was so packed with, with cool stuff to play, and now people actually have a chance to catch up on all that cool stuff. Oh, it's good for consumers. It's just not good for us who have to spin a show out of this shit every week. Um, <laughs> as as with, professionals, as yeah. deemed by Google itself. Indeed, Google itself says me and Jim are professionals and we got to spin some profession out of this bullshit. Yeah. Um, was, was it this week that Hitman finally got announced as like properly episodic? Was that this week? Uh, it was it was last week, but it was kind of we didn't discuss it last week because it was kind of towards the end of the week. But yeah, yeah. Should we should we chat about that? Yeah, I yeah. Let's heard do this. that. Not not yeah. not keen on this idea. I have to say. It's, yeah, it's it's not like a game. This here's the thing. A lot of people have been saying episodic games are doing really well at the moment. Why are people perfectly fine with like Telltale games, but not with this being an episodic game? And I think I can probably sum it up best as. This was a full retail game that was planned as a single experience, very demonstrably being sliced up into smaller pieces and sold over a longer period which of time because they're not fucking finished with it. Which doesn't work, because I tell you this much, mm. um, with Code Veronica 2, when Capcom turned that into, like, you know, the Resident Evil... Um, it wasn't Code Veronica 2. Like, uh, just, sorry, Revelation, Revelations Revel 2. Like, my was, brain is, is you really, You did send like, me on a weird path there for a second. I was like, really? There was a Code Veronica 2? Yeah, when did I, that happen? I apologise. Like I said, I'm a bit spaced out today. Um, but, yeah, when... when what was it? 
Revelations 2. Well, I was going to say Code Veronica again. Revelations 2 came out. Um, it was very clearly something that was intended to be played as one, like one full experience. Mm-hmm. Because the way it cut the chapters up as, as episodes didn't work. Like, there was... There was one bit that like had one Claire chapter that was like really tiny. It was like a fraction of the game, and then the rest was all Barry, or it was the other way around. Um, but either way, like it was so off balance because they clearly just made the game, then went through and just cut it into bits. Yeah, um, I feel and, like and releasing games episodically somewhat undermines your sense of progression in the games. Well, it's fine if you design it. At least in my opinion, if you design it like so that each segment has its own arc it has its own like this is clearly what we're doing with this section of the narrative and you you design it with the fact it's going to be episodic in mind it has to be a satisfying experience as a self-contained thing like an episode of a tv show you know it's got to have its own beginning middle and end yeah which i don't think i'm not getting the feeling that's what's going to happen with hitman here what i'm again look at revelations too like yeah look at look at half-life you know, <laughs> look how well yeah. that worked out. Like you lose the sense of pacing from yeah. from those games uh, when they've just been cut like that because you just I ha- that happened with with almost every episode of Revelations too. Like mm. the moment I got interested, the credits started to roll, and then my expectation was reset again um, for the next time uh, because there was nothing conclusive in each episode, unlike Telltale, who designed their games from scratch to be episodic yeah. and therefore and- can have conclusions every episode. And I don't think you can deny looking at this Hitman situation, it definitely, definitely, definitely feels like they've got a product that's not going to be complete and they want to start selling it sooner than it's ready to be sold. Yeah, well, I mean, and let's not there's forget. There's something that just, it just feels really shady. Let's not forget that Square Enix has been confused about Hitman for a while. Um, mm. This is the second time it's changed, because the first time they were going to release uh, a, a starter pack of the game for like a certain amount of money which gave you some areas and then you could upgrade to the full version of the game and then they scrapped all that and then just said no just normal $60 release then they scrapped that and said right now it's episodic like and and this goes hand in hand with the the Jimquisition I did this past week where I went and tapped the sources that predicted this episodic thing like years ago and I actually called this happening in a Jimquisition several years back uh, and I went back to my sources there and, and got some more details and and this is just how Square Enix is, has been operating for the past few years just very confused, very frightened by the changing market and mm. not sure what to do with all of its IP it's cancelled several games that we don't even know about Just Cause 3 was originally going to be an online only multiplayer game and then Square Enix panicked again and changed its mind and said, right, put it on consoles and put a campaign in it. And that's why Just Cause 3 is weird yeah. like it is. And um, here's just, the thing. Like, I've heard so much weird stuff about Square Enix. Like they, mm. they clearly, right now, have been so blindsided by the success of a console generation they thought was going to fail. And now they're scrabbling to find new ways to to sell things and not... not con- they don't seem to want to consider the idea that maybe selling things the way they've always sold things, since that's working, might be worth sticking with because it's working. Yeah, it's it's odd. Like I I don't have a problem in theory with Square Enix doing big games as episodic releases. Like Life is Strange was published by Square Enix and that was designed to be an episodic thing. I keep thinking about um, the remake of Final Fantasy VII and. I'm personally kind of okay with that being episodic in as much as I am happy to 
play a chunk of that game sooner than later and see where to set my expectations for the full thing. That being said, once I'm actually playing it, that's probably going to change in my mind and I'll be like, where is the rest of this damn you Square Enix? But Mm -hmm. this, at least that was pretty, pretty early on revealed that it was going to be some kind of episodic deal. Hitman, they have waited until within a couple of months of when it was going to release, cancelled everyone's pre-orders without telling them why, and then sprung on them that it's going to be a different thing. Well, again, I I feel like saying they waited... Uh, gives them a bit too much credit because I would not be surprised if this was a last minute thing. Like as, as I said, like Square Enix just is so panicky right now, and they're just trying to throw as much shit at the wall and hope something sticks. That I wouldn't have been surprised if like it was a matter of a week or two ago that they decided on this. Because I mean, from what I've heard, the poor fucking developers that that make games for Square Enix right now, they don't know where they're fucking arseholes and their elbows are like they just keep getting these different demands of do this no we've changed our minds do that do this do that Mm. it's a wonder the games are coming out in any decent fucking condition yeah and that's not to say that hitman isn't going to be good and that it can't be good it might be but i am certainly dubious until i see it because i feel like we're going to get like two missions or two hub areas in and then with no like conclusion to that particular narrative arc it's just going to be like Right, rest of the content's locked out. You want the rest of it? Wait, give us more money. Yeah, there it's going to be now frustrating. It. Oh. And it's for a game like Hitman, I just can't see it working. Do you know? And and we, yeah, they're usually it's... quite long games, and and I think it's a weird idea because Hitman has the potential to be one of the bigger games of this year because there's not mm. all that much stuff coming out. Like when Absolution came out, it was a year when there was a lot going on. And it kind of fell by the wayside of the general gaming consciousness because of that. But this year, if they played their cards right, Hitman could be huge. Well, this could be a really bad sign for Hitman as a series because, like, what's the last things we've had is a Hitman game that was released in a bloated time period and didn't get the attention it needed, followed by a Hitman movie that was critically and, like, general viewing it was just received really negatively and did not make the money it needed to make yeah i heard it was shite yeah it is and then a hitman game that is being mired with like last minute changes to its release structure like the hitman series is not in a healthy place right now and this certainly isn't helping yeah well i mean that's another issue with episodic games i mean especially in the triple because the triple a game industry relies on hype so much Mm. and nothing kills people's interest in a game as something that's been drip fed like this i mean we see this with early access you know game comes out in early access gets a bit of attention but people hold off on too many reviews and impressions and things but then by the time it comes out of early access it's already had its launch so Mm -hmm. people are tired of it already i mean you know darkest dungeon came out um yesterday and there's been some buzz about it but nowhere near the amount of people talking about it as if if they would have done if if it had just come out without the early access i think rust rust is suffering the same thing isn't it i mean that game is in a much better state now than it was when it first was in inverted yeah. commas released, but much less was, people are playing it. Well, like, I was talking to a PR was... guy, and he was like, "You get one release, yeah. you get one, you get one chance." Mm. It's this whole thing about first impressions. You get one chance. So if you blow that, or or if you um, you know, if you're trying to have multiple chances, 
you're just diminishing returns every time. So by the mm. time, you know, Hitman Episode 3 or whatever comes out, I don't think people are going to be that interested because the, the AAA space moves so fast. Mm. Yeah, like if you look at Darkest Dungeon, like you were saying, that is an amazing game that I played a portion of like two years ago. And in my mind, that was like, oh, I played all of it that was available at the time. I got what my impression of that game was. And I'm just not excited to go back to it because I I played it a few years ago. It's it's not to me. It doesn't feel like a new release because it lost all of its hype. It's that game that came out a few years back that you were playing. Yeah, and um, and I think a lot of customers feel the same way about mm. these things. It's just it's hard to get the excitement back when you've already been out for so long. Yeah, I'm like, going to be the- curious to see if Tomb Raider breaks that mold because I have a feeling they'll do a lot more heavy promotion for the PS4 version than they did for the Xbox One. We'll see. I fucking ho- I, I hope so, man, because the game deserves it. I suspect the PC version is going to be able to build up a lot of hype again. Mm. I don't think you can build up that hype a third time for the PS4 version. It'll be, hey, that game got really got good reviews. You can finally play it. Well, and I feel yeah, like that's but, all you can really hype up for the PS4 version. But on the on the flip side to that, um, PC promotion and like console promotions are they tend to be very different. Like console promotion usually gets a lot of TV spots and stuff like that, whereas PC promotion tends to be done amongst mainly like web communities and stuff. So you never know. It might. I would imagine yeah. when the PS4 we'll versions come out, coming out, you're going to see a lot of a lot of promotion for it anyway. Yeah, I, they'll they'll put a lot of promotion out. I just don't know whether it'll have the same impact doing it another time. Cause, yeah. Like, it won't. It, it mm, literally won't. I mean, yeah. it, it will have some impact. You know, PS4 people, it, it'll probably sell okay, but it will not have the same punch that it had when it first came out because you get one chance, you get one launch. Mm. And a lot of people have been discussing this about like the continuous delays that are happening with Uncharted 4. Like The whole thing with the, the way that like the marketing and PR system works is that from pretty much like moment one when that game's being worked on, they have a marketing plan and they have X amount of stuff they can do to market this game. And every time a game gets delayed or that gets pushed back or something changes and you're going to have to promote it for longer, you have to start spreading out the things you were planning to hype your game up to launch. You have to spread them a little thinner and a little thinner and a little thinner. And it just gets slightly less effective the longer you're having to spread it out across. And that is not good when you're working on a game of that size and scope. So, yeah, good luck, Hitman. I feel like you're going to need it. Yes, I'm, I'm just going to keep playing Hitman Go for a while. Cause I mean, honestly, I'm, I, from what I've heard and, you know, from the things I said on Jimquisition this week, like, just, just good luck at everyone dealing with Square Enix because it seems like you all need it because you just don't know where the fucking... when they're gonna, next going to change their fucking mind yeah. about something. So yeah, oh, there, I'm dreading is... what happens with Deus Ex now. I mean, they did oh, backtrack on the yeah. stupid uh, pre-order thing, but well, I I, I I did mention Deus Ex a little bit because I'd heard a little bit about it in you know when I was talking to my sources, and this is the one I'm I'm least confident on just because the information is a little outdated and with Square Enix changing its minds so rapidly, it could be changed from when you know from what I heard, uh, but. The idea is it was going to be a bigger game than it will be when it comes out. It's not Mm. been split up to be episodic, but it seems like they're holding back some of the scale so that they can do three games and have it as a Mass Effect-style trilogy. That's that's what I heard. 
So we'll, that, we'll see that how all, that goes. But they want, they want Are they to going to hobbit it? Please don't hobbit it. Uh, I don't know if they'll do that, but they certainly seem to want to do the Bioware choices kind of thing a lot more. So maybe in a well, couple could, of years from now... that could be interesting. Yeah, well, in a couple of years from now, I can hear you and uh, Laura argue over the ending for Deus Ex, whatever it is. The, the Deus well, I think Ex we, 3. Didn't we both agree the ending of Human Revolution was arse? Yeah, we did both agree in that regard. Yeah. Um, but as, as, as we'll all see, the ending of the new Human Revolution or whatever it is, it's going to be three different coloured buttons. And depending on which one you choose, you'll get a slightly different ending. And it's going to be the greatest ending to a video game ever. So get excited, Gav. <laughs> gonna be great i love Um, buttons speaking of trying to get excited about games that came that like either came out or should have come out a long time ago you know how minecraft story mode the telltale game came out like months and months ago yeah the wii u version comes out like this week but not all of the episodes that are out mind you the first episode comes out on wii u this week you're going to have to wait several more weeks for them to finish making the other episodes that everyone's already played. You see, the thing is, there's just so many amazing games on the Wii U that people will only have time to play for like an hour or two anyway. Is, this is the thing, like, I knew that there was a Wii U version coming. I had, because I played it on PC, because that's the code I got, I had no idea it hadn't come out on Wii U. How does that game not come out at the same time as the other versions? Like, you can get a Vita port out and an iOS port out on time. Conspiracy. But, like, the Wii U, what What were you worried about competing with? What delays... Like, if it's you're going to ma- make a Wii U version, why did it not come out at the same it's time? It's the big Wii U Is it possibly quite Everyone's a difficult um, console to, to code for, I wonder? No, all of the publishers got together and decided to tank the Wii U. EA started it because because of some reasons that we don't know about. Um, they're all committed to like destroying Nintendo. It's, it's conspiracy. The, um, yeah, it's the console Illuminati. They're they're trying to push Nintendo out because Nintendo got too powerful, and posed a threat to the triangle of video games. It's like a you know well, developers. Eye, I, I know like a lot of developers. Of like there were a couple of developers came out and said it's just that it just doesn't cut it with the technology of the new games. Yeah, but this game came to Vita. I can play this game on my iPhone 4S. Like, it's not a oh, yeah, no, I don't, challenging I don't, game. I like, don't mean about Minecraft. I mean about the other the point Jim was making well, about people not wanting to code on the Wii U. Yeah, I, I get not wanting to try and port games over to there when it's like, it's an underpowered piece of hardware. There's too, like, yeah, it's expensive. Mm. But when you decide you're going to port the game to that platform and make a big deal of how it's going to be the first Telltale game on a Nintendo platform, it's going to be the first time a Minecraft thing's been playable on a Nintendo platform, all of that stuff. Also, by the way, Minecraft came before Minecraft Story Mode, so Minecraft Story Mode isn't the first Minecraft on a Nintendo console like they were talking about when it was launching. But, yeah, that is just... It feels weird, and that... I mean, maybe it is more they... difficult, even even if you can get your things running yeah. on it. It might just be a difficult port job, or they've got to work out what, if anything, they're going to do with the gamepad. And um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know I, I, yeah. how difficult it this, is to port things over to the Wii U, so I don't want to speculate. But It is moments like this that make me really concerned for Nintendo going forward. Like, if a 
support of something as mechanically and technically untaxing as like a Minecraft Telltale game can't make it to your console the same day as it did to the other machines. That's worrying. It's definitely cons- well, it's it's temporarily worrying until you know next E three when the Wii U is going to be completely forgotten and we're talking about whatever the NX well, turns out to be. Yeah, but that's the question: is should we be concerned that this might this whole thing might linger with the NX? Because that's that's the biggest thing I'm worried about with the NX is do we end up with another machine that even confirmed ports don't come on time? I mean that that is the issue. We don't, we we really don't know what Nintendo's planning yeah. yet. But and we but you are hearing... right. The Wii U isn't a great launching pad to jump off from onto the next thing. It's and I I say this as someone who really enjoys the Wii U. I like the Wii U. I like to oh, play it's, it. It's it's um, my favorite of the three current consoles, like tech wise. I love the machine. It's wonderful. Yeah, I love but it. But it has done terribly. You know. Yes, but, indeed, it has <laughs> compared to what it should be doing. You know, yeah. it, it, it has completely underwhelmed. Yeah. Oh, have you have either of you heard all of the rumors come that the uh, the Wall Street Journal have been talking about this week about the NX? Because they're getting weird. These rumors. Oh, I did hear some of the, the some weird <sighs> stuff. The the weirdest one is the rumor that the NX will be compatible with smartphones, PC, Xbox One, and PS4. They did not elaborate on how it would be compatible with these things, but PS4 and Xbox One compatibility for your new Nintendo console could be a really smart move, but I don't understand how that's going to work. That sounds like porkies to me. That that's to me sounds like the, oh yeah, you're going to be able to play mods for Fallout 4 on on your consoles, sure. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. Have they talked any more about that? No. I don't think I've heard any more about that. I'm pretty sure that was a porky probably was but they're just hoping we've forgotten mm. yeah the nx stuff i feel so getting... bad as well because like over on the mm. fallout forums on reddit everyone's always sharing mods and you'll always get this one poor guy who's like i can't wait to play this on my on my xbox and he inevitably <laughs> gets shit on by a, mon- a bunch of snooty master racers yeah it's it's weird the the rumors with the nx are getting silly at this point like the rumours that like have been going around this last week are basically saying that we're probably going to know roughly what this machine is within the next like two months for a like proper reveal at E3 probably out this year. And the more I hear of stuff like this, I'm like, I, I just want to know what this thing is already because... You know, I am very curious what the weird Nintendo spin on it is going to be because there's re- going to be one. There always is. I just really would would hope that they would make it simple and accessible for the casual gamer because that's how the first Wii got so popular. And I think well, that's, that's a, big a market problem. gap that Nintendo fill better than anyone else. Yeah, well, that was a big problem with the Wii U is you compare it to the Wii and you see someone holding a Wii controller and doing the, the remote stuff, you instantly know what they're doing. You can see it. With the gamepad, it was so much harder to... You You can't just look at it and say, oh, I get it. Well, like, there were easy ways that you could pitch that at the time, and I can see why it made sense, because it was happening at the, like, at the time when mobile gaming and low-end tablet gaming was just starting to boom. And it's this idea of your kids are going to be playing, like, their iOS free games on their Android... I know I just said iOS on Android. Uh, they're the cheap 50 quid Android tablet you gave them that's wrapped in rubber and they're playing their free games and hopefully not like spending a fortune. I can see how Nintendo thought it was a good idea to be like, 
here is a console that basically has a tablet with it. Um, if someone's using the TV and you want your kid to play not on the TV, let them play in their lap. Like that's well, I, still a, think, I can see how that started as a really I, strong marketing pitch. I still think and, it's a good yeah. idea. Like, you know, as I said, I like the Wii U. It's just they clearly did not. I mean, they've said themselves that they feel they fucked the marketing up. Um, yeah, because like that then, is a thing that you could have marketed right. If you say, yeah. "Hey, parents, are you like? Do you hate the fact that sometimes you want to watch the the news or the cricket, and there is your kids playing, playing? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like thinking of things that are on cricket. TV. <laughs> Fine, the football and the rugby and the soccer and whatnot. Um, See, I told and, you she's like, all these things just add up to how posh Laura is. Fine, I am overly posh, okay? I get it. Um, and like you say, hey, parents, you want to kick your kid off the TV, but you don't want to have to have the fight with them where they want just five more minutes because they can't get to a save point? Let them play on the controller. I can see how that's I mean, really I actually, strong as a marketing direction towards parents. But, that is how uh, it's used here. Like, if I'm using the TV, you know, the the stepkids use, like, playing Smash Brothers on the gamepad or whatever. Um, like, it has that use, and, and I like it, but the, their marketing was shit. And, and honestly, it shouldn't have been called the Wii U. That's that's the mm. other thing. I mean, it shouldn't have been... That confused the market, because people were like, what, is this an add-on to my Wii? Like, is it just the little controller, or what? Like, people didn't know. Yeah. And well, calling like, we it the Wii U just in... made it look like an extension we... of what they already we... had. We saw people in the game's press who, when the first trailer was shown, had to say, can we double-check, did we see a new, different-shaped box in that trailer? Is this definitely a different console? And... I've been working on something, which is probably going to go out in the next two two or three days after this uh, podcast goes out. Basically, I went and looked over that original trailer, and I'm like, right, of the original reveal of the Wii U, which of these features ever actually happened? Surprise, a lot of them didn't. We never did get the uh, the golfing game where you put the controller on the floor nope. and wave uh, we, your hand. We never got, like, uh, here's classic board games designed to be played only on the Wii U gamepad so you can like tip it over and all the pieces slide off the board mm-hmm. we still don't have an hd zelda like a lot of things shown in that trailer to sell the wii u just haven't happened i'm very we didn't get colonial we never, marines we, ne- we never got our cricket game oh cricket game <laughs> no we never got like the the web browser functionality where you held your gamepad up to the tv to see a zoomed in portion of that bit of the screen and you move your gamepad around to see different bits of the it's web almost page. like it's almost like everything companies show us at E3 is complete bollocks. It's, it's almost like Nintendo didn't know what to do with the console they were trying to market, and that lack of knowledge of what to do with it translated to the marketing of the machine. It's almost like that's the case. That's why Todd almost. Howard won E3 last year, because he literally just showed us the game and how you play it. It's like, here is the game. I'm going to play the game for a bit. Did you like watching me play the game? Okay, I'll play the game some more. There and you go. And everyone went, the wow, game. I like the look at that game. I'm going to buy that game. And then it sold, yeah. what, like well, nine, Nintendo itself nine has been copies doing or that. something? Nintendo itself has been doing that right the past few years since then. Because that's how they do their stuff. They do the Nintendo Treehouse stuff. They show gameplay demo, actual games working in real time. Like I've always been impressed with Nintendo's output over the past few years. But... um. Yeah, the Wii U reveal and, and all that marketing. Bartleby, will you stop growling, you little shithead? Um, yeah, it just didn't pan out. Uh, the Wii U was... It just it, it launched wrong and never clawed itself back up since then, which is a shame because, again, as I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it as a system. It, I just hate what happened to it. and I'm, 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 I'm at least looking forward to what the, the NX is going to bring. 
I, um, I'm I'm always interested in Nintendo stuff because even if it's not my primary console, I love the Wii U, and I love the Wii, and I always seem to like Nintendo consoles, even if I, they make stupid decisions, and I can see why the mass market just isn't interested. Yeah, well, I, so, I could almost yeah. see them because I know you said earlier that you know you're looking forward to seeing what Nintendo twist they put on it. I really think the twist is going to be that there is no twist on this. One. I I kind of hope that's the case, but I'm not confident in that like yeah. I, if, well, I mean, if i were putting money one way or the other i would expect it to have a weird twist again going back to what i said on um this past monday uh publishers had very little faith in consoles at the beginning of this generation and mm-hmm. have now seen the ps4 become really successful the xbox one starting to do really well uh games like fallout 4 and uh, the witcher 3 sold fantastically um so Faith has come back in traditional, for mm. want of a better word, consoles. And I could almost see Nintendo sort of going back to its GameCube sort of stuff. And yeah. Just giving it, you know, maybe the weirdest thing about it will be yet another unconventional Nintendo controller. Yeah. But I can see them wanting to just do a more a more standard console. I can't yeah. predict that for sure, but I could, I could easily mm. see them doing it. I, I did have one weird thought this week that I wrote a thing about on Destructoid, which was just that, weirdly... If Nintendo releases the NX this year, like towards, let's say, November, December this year, they will be the only of the like major gaming platforms that does not have any form whatsoever of VR support. Because the PS4's got PSVR, PC has got Oculus and Vive, Xbox One has limited, but technically their Oculus support for your like virtual living room thing. Yeah. Nintendo, if they release a console this year might be the only console manufacturer that in no way, shape, or form is on board with VR. This this kind of also got me thinking, I don't think they'll do this, but Nintendo, if anyone was going to like find a way to make VR affordable and mass market friendly, it would maybe be them, and VR tech is definitely... Oh, they like this is the year where VR tech is a thing. That's what the NX is. It's, it's a I'm... it's a whole virtual reality console that they're going to call the VR. You you know what I like vaguely hypothesized as like maybe a way that these like dual handheld console rumors could be true, but also VR could be a thing. Um, my suggestion I said of how you make it affordable. Yes, it's a console with a powerful gaming handheld, whatever. That gaming handheld basically slides into a Gear VR. You've got a sub $100 VR headset that is powered by the handheld component of your console. That is a cheap way to do VR that I could, see Nint- I could see Nintendo doing it. And if anyone was going to say like, hey, this is the tech, we're going to like be the ones to have it baked into our console if they think it's going to go big. Or even just like, I don't know. If they don't, I think it's interesting. I'll be very curious. Like... If VR does pick up steam over the next two to three years as it becomes affordable, is it going to be noticeable that Nintendo are the only ones who don't have VR support? I don't know. But that's just a thing I was thinking about this week. So yeah. Yeah. That was that. Um, that's that's Nintendo. Uh, last bit of Nintendo to get through quickly. Um, Twilight Princess HD is getting a dungeon that's a new dungeon that wasn't in Twilight Princess the original. That is unlocked with an amiibo. They can fuck off. You know, they can know, fuck yes, off. But that. you know what Nintendo could really do now? What? Are, like, the two current consoles in this generation are, relatively speaking, underpowered compared to the PC. Nintendo mm. 
could put the effort and money in and make a fucking badass, amazing console with better graphics and shit than the PS4 and Xbox they, One. They could. They could. And that, that, I don't like. Why? I don't think they'll do it, but they could. Because <laughs> mm. like, people could are. Ma- they people... could just release a console that's like, yes, this can consistently do 1080 60. Well, but they won't. yeah, but well, I, they, d- I don't know if that they would make sell their money it to... off amiibos now. Yeah. They don't need to give a shit. Yeah. So yeah, this whole amiibo thing. You know why? The... Here's the thing. I don't mind in a world where amiibo are very easily easy to get a hold of. This situation. I am going to buy. Like I'm going to buy that figurine, and I will have probably got my money's worth out of like it being a figure. Extra dungeon is nice. I'm one of those people who has struggled to get amiibo they wanted before. As a big Zelda fan, I'm going to be really bloody pissed off if there is a new dungeon for a Zelda game and I can't play it because I can't buy the stupid plastic toy because they're all sold out because Scalpers bought them. I've defended amiibo in the past and that that definitely, that was a turning point, was the fact that all it does is make Scalpers huge amounts of money now. Yeah, Um, And the other one is like, before when it was just little cosmetic things and little yeah. silly bits of throwaway content, but a whole extra dungeon, like yeah, locking locked content behind, an amiibo, behind amiibos is content. That's bullshit. It's really you know content. how you make this? You know how you make this okay, and you still have time to do this before launch, Nintendo. Take that DLC and be like, right, this is a five pound or five dollar DLC for an extra dungeon for your game. If you have this amiibo, you unlock it for free. Because that way you change the conversation from you're being charged for a toy that you might have to buy from scalpers to get this content to did you buy that toy? Well, you got this as a free bonus with it. If you want to buy it separately, you can, and it's like decently priced as DLC. That's how you make this okay. I'm just amazed at how, <sighs> how much money people want to spend on amiibos and how easy it is to exploit people. It's like I, uh, they must like have a fan base that... like is still not over growing up on Pokemon or something, you know? I, I, I bought one recently. I still won't buy them above retail price. I've never bought one above retail price, but I bought a Shovel Knight because I happened to be in a shop and they had the Shovel Knight Amiibo. I was like, I like Shovel Knight. Do kids, do kids in the West buy Amiibos, I wonder? Because anyone I've seen I talking have, about them is like grown I adults. Have, I have seen kids crowding around the Amiibo. Yeah. They don't buy them to use with games, as far as I can tell. They just like but the, they, the they, characters. It's brand recognition, and they want the toy. Mm. It's like it's in the same realm as like if a kid buys a pop vinyl or something. Mm. It I think is, if I, I was the a, toy of this figure, if I were a kid, like if there had been those when I was a kid and we were playing like Mario World on the SNES, I think I probably would have wanted one then. Well, that's uh, the thing. Like I have a shelf of them just because a lot of them are like. Ness from Earthbound. When am I ever going to get a chance to get an affordable Ness figurine? That looks quite quite nice on my work desk. I will happily have that by my computer. And if I think about them that way and just discredit the digital content they bring, I like Amiibo. It's when it's like, oh, I might genuinely have to buy something from a scalper for triple its retail price if I want this extra content in a game I liked. That's iffy. Very iffy. Um, the other... And the fact it's a fucking re- remaster as well of an old yeah. game. And they've put this new content in that you think would have made it more attractive to people who have already played it. And it's it's gated off in this way. Like, well, I just... To be it's, fair... It's not we... what I supported when I used to yeah. defend Amiibo. We, we don't know if there's going to be other dungeons that are just in the remaster. We don't know if this will be sold as DLC or anything, but... I think that's what you need to do is you need to get ahead of your messaging Nintendo and be like, hey, 
This can either be like earned in game somehow or bought as DLC for a small amount or you get it free with an amiibo rather than like having the messaging being you have to buy this amiibo if you want that content. It's it's not a big shift, but it would make a big difference to how this is being perceived, I think. Um, so yeah, what else did we get this week? Uh, did either of you see the interview with the Telegraph's fashion supplement with Lightning from Final Fantasy XIII? <laughs> <sighs> did you did you see this? No. I I heard you mention it, and then I just kind of rolled my eyes so hard that they broke off the the red bit that connects them to the brain. They broke and rolled away out the door. Okay, yeah, that that's a fair response to this. So, we talked about this last week, how Lightning from Final Fantasy is now the new fashion model for it. Louis Vuitton. I don't and get the fascination. I don't I, get it. I don't. Apparently she is a huge... I, I got told a lot after last week. She's apparently well, you see, a huge the, the thing is, Lightning, Lightning is the only woman in video games. Oh, yes. that There's always that. Um, mm. No, apparently she's like still a huge deal in Japan, and Japan Why? loves her as a character. I she's don't know. She's got no character. Maybe is that's... That what, is that, is that what, is that 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 what people like? Probably. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, the non-existent character of Lightning this week did an interview with the fashion supplement of Britain's Telegraph newspaper, and the the Telegraph interviewed Lightning about her fictional fashion career but they did the interview as if she was still like in the universe of final fantasy Christ. so it's a weird as fuck interview where she's like oh yeah well you know going out and fighting monsters has always been my passion but i just wanted to settle down for a while and try my hand at something new and i've always wanted to do fashion but you know one of these days i might get bored with fashion and go back to fighting things who knows I, I don't even know the what most my career important question are. here laura is how did her butt look in the fashion clothes uh, none of the shots showed her butt. Oh. I am very disappointed. They were all shots from the front. It's very difficult to tell what her butt looks like in the fashion shoes. Disappointing. I know. So, yeah, it's very odd to see this interview. And as it turns out, the interview was not like the Telegraph interviewing Lightning, because, of course, they can't. She does not exist. Square Enix put together a... Here are some interview questions and the answers that this fictional character gave us. Provided that to the Telegraph and said, do you want this as an exclusive? And they were like, yeah, this is weird. We'll publish it. So that is that is the lightning interview with the Telegraph. Someone that had a very easy cringe. payday that day publishing something very odd. Wow. Speaking, I, of, I, speaking of butts, there was an international travesty this week because... Someone's trying to steal my shtick. Is Feminist this the Frequency story? put out a video about video game butts. She and is stealing my shtick. They sh did okay. not consult with the world's foremost expert on video game butts. I know, and I very rarely talk about Feminist Frequency here, but I have a big content point of contention with her latest video, and that is this. In Anita Sarkeesian's latest Feminist Frequency video, she talks about the fact that she doesn't think very much of narrative consequence or character development can be discerned from a butt. She explicitly says, if you're looking at a character's butt, you're not learning much about their character. I disagree with this. I'm going to give you all right now an essay on why I think this is wrong. <laughs> Look at Ellie in Borderlands 2. What can you tell about her character from her butt? Her butt is large it is like it is definitely the butt of a worker she's someone who's very uh, it's a little bit dumpy she's she's, she's a she's, she's a she's a lot of a pragmatist she's very like i'm gonna spend a lot of time sat on the ground on very hard concrete because i am a mechanic 
I need some cushion to balance this out on. You can also tell from her butt that she is very self-confident. She highlights attention to the butt with a little mock flower on the back of the jeans because she's not ashamed of it. She loves it. She knows what she's got and she's happy to work it. This this is like a window into the pragmatic yet self-confident and highly body positive image of Ellie that you get from her butt in Borderlands 2. What do you know about Skull Kid and Majora's Mask? His only, like, bit of clue that he might be redeemable is that little shake of the butt when he's up on the moon. That's the only reason you know he might be redeemable, because he has this one little moment of childlike wonder. The butt is important in narrative, Anita Sarkeesian. Why didn't you get me involved in this video? I would have helped make this a much better thing. I Hashtag, where's my butt video? I won't talk about what I didn't like in the video, because I'll be here all fucking night. <laughs> I will stick away from the rest of my thoughts on that video, positive or negative. But I disagree with that specific point. I think you can learn a lot about characters. Like, look at Luigi in Smash Brothers. He attacks using his butt. His butt is not as large as Mario's, because Mario, he, he can rest on his laurels. Everyone knows and loves Mario. Luigi has to be dexterous with his butt. He has to, like, find impressive uses for it. Because he's the neglected younger brother. If he doesn't find creative uses for his butt, no one's going to pay attention to him. He has to work so much harder than Mario. That's why his butt is smaller, but more dexterous. There you go. See, I'm learning about characters from their butts. Butts, butts are important. Butts I mean, are we, important. We can't overstate this enough. They are crucial to the medium. They are an integral part of how we understand character development. And if you disagree with that, then... Where is my video about butts then? Let me have a big video about butts that everyone pays attention to. I think you should make a big video about butts. I make videos about butts. Not as many people watch them as watch this. You should all come watch mine. Mine's better. Come watch <laughs> my butt ones videos, celebrate everyone. the butts. Go watch those. Yes. Go, I come think, watch me I gush see, for 45 minutes I think the solution is not to have fewer sexy butts, but to have more sexy man butts and to have women's armor that's functional and sensible. I agree with this. Um... Have have characters whose butts say something about them as a character. Have better butts, not less butts. Yeah. Have butts that... If your problem with butts is that they don't say enough about the character, don't get rid of the butt. Get better character designers that know how to tell you about the character using the butt. Yeah. That's the solution. And scream into my butt. And poop up my butt. <laughs> this, this went a very odd direction, everyone. <laughs> um... Did, did either of you play anything this week, game-wise? Mm, not the new. Replayed a little bit of Uncharted 2 and Soma um, for reasons, which shall become clear in the next few weeks. Oh, you're so sly. No one ever knows what you're referring to when you say that you've gone back to play a game for reasons. I wonder what it could be. But uh, no, didn't play anything new, did you guys? What about um, you? Did you, Jim? Played... Uh, the Resident Evil's like nothing new, but new releases of old things. I played the Resident Evil Zero redo, which is all right if you like Resident Evil Zero. I don't really rate it very much myself. Um, played the Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen because that came out on PC. How's that? A um, lot of people are telling me I would enjoy that game. I think you would. I think you'd dig it. Mm. It's uh, it's cool. It's it's really just running around, getting into fights with big monsters and you can climb up the monster it looked, to me it looked like dark souls without the atmosphere it's 
I don't know if you could really call it Dark Souls. It's closer to Monster Hunter, really. Uh, but even that's not a, a truly accurate description. Mm. It's a solid action RPG. I think you might find some enjoyment in it. I'm I'm going to try and live stream it at some point this week, I think, um, if my back's up to sitting, um, playing and recording for that long. Mm. Um, you know what it made but, me think of, though, when I was watching the videos of it? is mm-hmm. I really wish more developers would be more imaginative with fantasy rather than just setting it in green fields and, like, medieval. There's so many, ama- like, like if you look at something like Planescape Torment, that world was very, very unique. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. sure um, Tides of Numenera will be too. I just wish more more people would be more imaginative with the word fantasy. I mean, as Yahtzee said, it's the word fantasy has become synonymous with Tolkien-style fantasy, and I'd love to see lots of different... There's, yeah, you there's know. a lot more you could do with that than mm. just the elves and the goblins and everything. Exactly, and and they but all seem to Dragon have some Dogma variation elves on and elves goblins. and dwarves and green yeah. green fields. <laughs> yeah, Dragon's Dogma doesn't really push the boat out in any of that, but it's a very satisfying game. Like, you know, you get into a big fight against a chimera or whatever and chop bits of their bodies off and get into this huge knockout, drag-down fight mm. with them. Um, that can last for quite a long time, and, and it's it's a very satisfying game in that regard. Um, and, and you can toggle the NPC chatter off, which I don't know if you could do that originally, but having discovered it in this is incredible, because the your allied characters like literally never shut up. They comment on everything. God, I, Even wish, if you... I wish Fallout 4 had an option to turn off the the NPC dialogue. It'll be good. It'll be good. Like, I really do think that, like, maybe there should be a limit. Once an NPC said a line of dialogue enough times, they should probably just stop. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, Dragon's Dogma was notorious for it. Like, you'd go... Because there was no fast travel. Well, there was, but it was really convoluted and late in the game, which I hear they fixed for the PC version. I've not gotten far enough to test that. But... In the original version, like you had to walk everywhere, backwards and forth, across the same paths, back and forth, back and forth. And the characters would say the same things every time. It was just called, goblins are risen. Uh, yeah, I know, they're the same goblins I fought ten times. There might be an ambush here. We ought to look out. And I'm like, there's always an ambush here. Shut up. All roads lead to Grand Sorin. All roads lead to me punching you in the fucking jaw if you don't shut your fucking trap. Um, Do you know yeah, what the, that the always talkie, reminds, the the, that always that reminds me? The worst one ever was the healer in the bard's tale. Healing! <laughs> she was worse than Navi. And that's pretty fucking bad. That's, that's yeah. pretty bad. Uh, so yeah, I'm trying to think, what did, what did I play this week? Um, I think the only thing new I played that I'm able to talk about so far this week is this war of mine, The Little Ones which is a PS4 port of this War of Mine where there's now children in it. Yay! Yeah. I've been playing it on Xbox One, actually. They sent me an Xbox One okay. for some I, reason. I had I it on PS4. I didn't know if it would come to other things. Yeah, it's on Xbox One as well. Um, I've been replaying it. Um, I was going to maybe review it, but then as I was playing it, I'm like, the, I really could just copy and paste the original review yeah, and then my, say at the end there are kids in it. My, my review was a couple of paragraphs about the fact there were kids in it. So as anyone who's played this will know, this War of Mine is a really depressing, very sort of 
very open look at the horrors of war for civilians. And it's, it's fucking this, brilliant as well. It is brilliant. It is this very, like, it makes you look at these things and it doesn't let you look away. My problem with the little ones is it adds kids in and it stops being an unflinching look at the horrors of war because it definitely, definitely, definitely flinches when it comes to bad things happening to children. Um, the main example here... Any time, let, let's say you've got a child in your base who's about to die of hunger or starvation. Your child does not die. You know what they do? They hit starvation and then they run away from home. Yeah, and you don't get told that off. they died. You just got told that they ra- ran away. And this is my big problem with this this DLC is that I understand why they didn't put kids in in the first place because they didn't want to have to deal with the fact that. They wanted an unflinching look at the horrors of war, and there is a definite barrier there when saying terrible things are going to happen to children as well. I get that reasoning for not putting kids in the game. If you're going to put kids into this... Yeah, if you're selling it on war, authenticity, then yeah, you can't if, say it, no kid has ever died <laughs> in a war. Yeah, and that's that's the problem. is It's not that like I'm upset that there was a lack of dead children in this, it's more you were, that... Laura. You're you're one of those people no. who mods killable children into, no, into Skyrim, it, aren't you? <laughs> my problem was in that this very, very, very specific game, having kids there, but having kids not be able to die was a really It undermines thing. the whole thing. It drew yeah. me out of the experience, and it undermined a lot of what that game was trying to say. Like, it mm. took it from being an unflinching look at war to a look at war that very noticeably flinches in certain places, and that really undermines a lot of the appeal of that game. Like I are the kind kids of indie- annoying as fuck? I, like it's, I actively, it, like most most kids in video games are really annoying. The the purpose for these kids is generally they will keep themselves happy and entertained like during the day. You can't take them out at night with you to do anything. Um, they constantly get hungry, and anything bad that happens inside the bunker completely messes them up emotionally. So mm. you are pouring resources into trying to keep them happy and healthy. And the only real benefit you get out of them is the morale inside the bunker is a bit better if the kids are happy. But it's a lot of extra effort and it's very noticeable when things should go wrong for them, but they don't. Like when people break into the base but don't kill the kids. And when uh... the kids are meant to die of, of hunger and they run away from home rather than dying. Like it gets very visible the it basically defeats its own purpose because yeah. you think the game was already stark and harsh and brutal if they're adding kids that's going to make it even more like even Which, more like heart rending and heartbreaking it made it less. and it they, no it, it, it absolutely it did they kind of put a muzzle on themselves and then you're like oh you pulled your punch there and then it makes it has a knock-on effect that makes everything else less effective because you're mm-hmm. like well if the now that I've seen them pull a punch, it's like seeing, you know, it's like looking behind the curtain and seeing what, who the Wizard of Oz really is, you know? It just, it, you, you get taken out of it, like, uh, as Laura said. And I don't know, I just, I don't feel like it was a necessary I, I feel like it. They should be like, like The Witcher 3 detracts. and have the annoying kids get eaten by witches. Mm, I, 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 this is my problem. I feel like it actively, it actively lessens the impact of the game. And for a game that I recommend so highly to people, that's a shame. Um, so yeah, that was all I played that I'm allowed to talk about this week. There are other things I played that I can talk about next week. Oh, I did play a Naruto game as well. Um, I ran around a, a battlefield high-fiving magic into people. It was very strange. It, that's it's, good. 
and you want to be a magic superpowered ninja, you can in in the new Naruto. It's like the last Naruto, but a little flashier. Cool, cool. Yeah. I've been. Uh, what else did I do? I've been going back to Star Wars Battlefront a lot. Oh, um, yeah. In in between sort of projects, I've been replaying, going through that again. Um, it's still really good, and it still just bums me out that I couldn't have given it a better score than I did, just because the the whole season pass bullshit and the the way it launched just wasn't. Multiplayer, it wasn't the way it should have been. Multiplayer shooters are great for when you've got like one hour free, and you, you yeah, can't, that's pretty you much, can't yeah. immerse yourself in like a big story or. Yeah. I, I, I think where they're I've been, great for that. Where I've been laid up a lot of this week, and I've not been able to do too much. Like it's been a really good for that. Just sort of. I got nothing to do right now. I can't go out. I can't do much of anything. But I can sit here and shoot. You know, I can shoot Darth Vader in the back of the head for a minute. So mm. I've been getting back into that, and I've been I've been having a really good time. It's just I hate the idea that it it was so positioned to be a vector for DLC that mm. the game itself is not as robust as it could have been. And all I'm thinking about is like you know. What kind of disparities are going to be there once they it's, move into the paid DLC and expansions and stuff? It's it's one of those things. Like it's it seems like you feel very similarly to how I was talking about Katara Alive when it came out, where it's like I keep going back to it. I really like it, but I can't rate it higher because, ooh, that's some iffy stuff you did with payment models and whatnot. And I hate when that happens with games where it's like, oh yeah, this is. I want to love this game, but I'm finding it hard. That's never a good thing to think about a game. Yeah. Um, before we do anything else, I, I have a quiz this week because I was thinking of things to do and I came up with a stupid oh, yeah. idea for a quiz. <laughs> and I I haven't forewarned Jim or Gavin what this quiz is. Are she told, to she hear... told us there was a quiz, but she didn't tell us what the quiz was. Yeah. I, do you have any, any predictions what I might be about to do? It's probably going to want some um, personal information from me that I'm not willing to share on, no, on no, the no. internet. No, nothing like that. It, it, this is not the quiz where it's like, okay, question one. Truth or dare. What is your, what is your bank account password? Question two, I don't know, what is your home address? Um and, and I don't have to get my dick out, do I? Because I said my back's still bad. No, you don't, don't have to get, get your, you don't have to get your dick out. So okay. Um, this this last week, I was working on a video where I basically pretended to be Kylo Ren and made really angsty thoughts about Shadow the Hedgehog, and that got me thinking about this quiz idea. This quiz is called Laura's Angsty Poetry or Shadow the Hedgehog Lyric. Oh, ah. oh. <laughs> Oh, this is fun. So okay. this is this is a quiz where you have to work out is this a is this an angsty lyric from the opening of Shadow the Hedgehog? Yeah. Or is this something that I at about age fourteen wrote while I was trying to be really dark and edgy? Okay. <laughs> are, are you re- are you ready for this quiz? I'm ready. I'm how ready do for we this. How, do we have noises to to answer? Like do we go bzz or ah? No, just you can confer amongst yourselves if you oh, like. Okay. You, okay. So no we're a team. We're not answer. competing. You can be a team or you can compete if you like. You don't have to agree with each other, but this so is the So we quiz. have to choose PvE or PvP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I say, which, we, which I say we, PvE, we PvE it, Jim. I say okay, teamwork. Okay, good. It's going to be very hard to tell these apart, I think. If yeah. you give me one second, I'm just pulling up my... Uh, sorry, I've got to pull up my angsty, angsty teen poetry. Mm. I'm not a competitive person. I, I hate anything in which I can lose. Okay, uh, question one. Black-hearted evil, brave-hearted hero. Is that a Shadow the Hedgehog lyric, or did I write that at about 13? 
got to be Shadow. That's got to be I've, Shadow, that's yeah. That's got to be Shadow. That is Shadow. Well done. You have, you have, you have detected the first piece of Shadow. Um, right. Okay, here we go. Question two. Question two. Mm-hmm. It would be enough to make me see that I like you enough to make you be. That is definitely <laughs> one of Laura's Gerard Way. I'm thinking teenagers' poetry, poem. yeah. That is teenagers' poetry. Well done. This is apparently <laughs> a much easier quiz than I expected it would be. Um, okay, um, let's. I'm trying to pick which ones. Which ones are good ones to go with? Um, okay, let's go with this one. Sink into my regular depression, self pity, self loathing. What a wimp. Mm. I wish that, that was a Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah, me too. You're making me is. sad, Laura. I, I wish... <laughs> I would have loved if that was in there, like, done by Crush 40 or whatever. What a wimp! Um, but I, I do think that's... We, we're looking at poetry again. You you are right. I am I am realizing this is a far more far more transparent Did quiz you guys, than I was hoping um, it would be. <laughs> the the robot in um Good Neighbor when you go in and she says to you, I've got everything on sale here that can kill a man apart from suicidal depression, which is unfortunately not sellable. <laughs> I was like, that My is goodness, that, dark, that is dark that is humor. dark, but incredibly well written. Well yeah. done them. Um <laughs> Can you see all of me? Walk into my mystery. Shadow. Yeah, I'm thinking Shadow. Yeah, it's Shadow. I'm feeling like this is a good place to end the quiz, because apparently the quiz is not as difficult as I imagined. I I thought I could better sneak into angsty teen poetry. So this has been Shadow or angsty teen. I think the trouble is, I think the trouble is with it. It was a great (laughs) quiz in theory, but cynical corporate produced angst this this is a has very a good. tell yes mm. and there's a difference between that and, and genuine teenage <laughs> angst Teen, teenage angst has paid off well now we're bored and old yeah and yes yeah, i know that's not the exact lyric nirvana fans before you jump down my throat it's it's, it's close enough i'm yeah. sure but do you want to uh, hear the the angstiest line i wrote as a teenager oh if you do, I will tell you the angstiest line I wrote. Well, I say I wrote. I thought I wrote it, but I'm also pretty sure, looking back, that I probably stole it from somewhere. So, what's your angsty line? You tell me that I'm sweet. Well, I guess you must be diabetic. Oh, burn. <laughs> oh God. Oh. The, okay, here, here is mine, and I'm pretty sure I stole it from somewhere because I don't think I was intelligent enough to write this, but I definitely ended a poem with it. Um, I, I carved your name in the bullet so you everyone would know you were the last thing to go through my head. Jesus Christ. I'm pretty oh sure that someone else must have written that, but I ended a poem with it. You know, wow. it's not it's not it's a pretty good line. It's you know And again, I I wish that both of those lines were in the shadow of the hedgehog yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, actually yeah. it, that's funny, it's something I get accused of. Every time I do a song about like Dark Souls or a game that's really dark. There's always one guy who says, this reads like a 15-year-old's diary. And I'm like, well, take that up with the fucking game designers. Yeah, right? like you're only emulating the mood that most modern video games yeah. emulate. And a lot of them emulate 15-year-old angsty boys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what half their fucking focus groups are. Like, it's not your fault. It's like yeah, some, so someone I... said to me th- this week, the theme in your Fallout song is really similar to the one in your Metro song. I'm like, Really? Really? It's almost like they're I both games why. about the post-apocalypse that's really dark and depressing. <laughs> yeah, I wonder uh, why. 
on the subject of that, you do this song called Roll Out. Oh, yeah. Which I feel borrows a bit too much from Transformers lore. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Um, I actually, that's one of the old songs of mine that I can't listen to anymore. <laughs> no? Yeah. No, it's just got the cringiest lyrics. Uh, I'm 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 assuming that that's not the same place as Commander Shepard goes because of course you listen to that every day. Yeah, oh yeah. That song yeah, I yeah, have it yeah. on all day every day. It's it's the background to your work day, mm. I'm sure. Someone put it on us at one of our parties a few weeks ago and I skipped it immediately. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um before we go into the last bit of news, I do I feel I have to give a mention to someone who sent me some truly weird stuff today that has turned up. Today's drink of choice on the podcast has been cannabis energy drink, which, unfortunately, from the back of it does it's not, not contain... It's not literal, is it? There are non, no narcotic effects. It's made from... Uh, I think it's from, like, hemp seed extract rather than anything that's so actually going to get you high. So is it designed as an accompaniment to your your um, cannabis smoking, or...? I believe that's the intent. It's... Does it mi- does to... the taste of it mix well with that, you know? How would you oh, it's been so I, long since I smoked cannabis. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's been to like describe more than ten would. years. <laughs> my my feeling is yes. It's a little bit sweet, but it's mainly like a very sort of savory base flavour to it. Mm. Which is very unusual for an energy drink. It's not overly sickly sweet. Mm. And it feels like it would probably pair pretty decently. But that has been what I've been drinking. Um, I also received a 16 and a half inch dildo. So thank you, Matthew McGlowan. Which, which she posted on Twitter and I opened in a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> well, from a Twitter image unexpanded, it would probably look just like a big black bar. But mm. it is terrifying. And I have now reached... I, I feel like this is a a rite of passage I have now reached. I have now reached the point of anonymous internet dildos in my P.O. box. So, thank you. I mean, I've, this is why I I've, don't have a P.O. box. <laughs> I've looked at it and it's impressive. It is. I mean, I will say it's... And, and as someone who knows their, their dildos, uh, yeah, someone sent you some quality work there. It's, it's the kind of thing you look at it and think, well, either this is not designed... This is not designed for the average human being, let's say. It is ambitious, to say the least. Mm-hmm. You could kill a beloved family pet with it. I'm pretty sure you could. I'm considering getting it mounted on a staff so that if someone ever breaks into the house, I can, like, fight them off with the swinging dildo. So, yeah, thank you, Matthew, for for my drink of choice of cannabis energy drink this week. Um, Yeah, uh, have we got any more news this week? Um, Probably not. Let's have a look. Uh, Oh, The Witness got rated on Xbox One, and Jonathan Blow said, nope, it's not coming out on Xbox One despite it having an age rating for Xbox One. I think the whole idea... What he said was like, oh, we rated it for Xbox One in case we ever decide to put it on Xbox One. I'm like, Why would he not want to put it on Xbox One? Probably because there's an exclusivity deal with PS4 that he's uh, not allowed to put it there for some time. Which probably... My suspicion is he has plans for an Xbox One launch, which is why they've got it rated for Xbox One. But he's not allowed to confirm that because it's currently touted as PS4 exclusive and hasn't come out yet. That well, wouldn't suspicion. be the first time he's talked bollocks, would it? Oh, but <laughs> um, I, I'm going to have a review with that coming up next week, and uh, I tend to have a certain picture of that man when I talk about him on Podquisition. Maybe that impression of that man won't have changed. 
I um I've been looking into maybe reviewing it, but I, I'm I don't know. I just I don't want to mm. fall down that rabbit hole of it's, it's, him and his games. It's a rabbit hole you'll be down for some time. If you do decide to go down it, give me a shout and I will tell you what to expect. The thing is, <laughs> the, just... the thing about PX4 exclusives is they're really about nuclear bombs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I just I don't I don't want to waste my time playing the game and then reviewing the game uh, only to then hear him for the next several years talk about how even though everyone liked the game, he was really pissed off at the reviews because they yeah. just didn't get it. I I think I get it. And you'll understand that in like a week or so's time. Um, so, question. Then again, this if week. you if you really yeah. want to be, um, if you want to feel like sympathy and empathy towards him, go and watch Soldier Boy's review of Braid on YouTube. Like I've seen some dumb motherfuckers in my time, but this <laughs> takes the fucking biscuit. Like <laughs> he's playing yeah. Braid and he declares the game is pointless because you can rewind when you fall down the pit, and it's well, I'm. Now, to be fair, he's obviously very stoned in the video, but it's 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 worth a watch if you want to feel more sympathetic towards Jonathan Blow. <laughs> Maybe that's the critic he was talking about when he got annoyed. Maybe. I mean, he just see he seems to have no real respect for any critics, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But you know, he still sends out review copies. David so. Bowie didn't respect critics either. Oh, did you hear that he turned down a song with Coldplay? Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> exact words. It's not a very good song, is it? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. It's not a him. very good song, Chris. I'm sorry. Um, what what else are we? What do we got for questions this week? We'll do some questions for a bit. Um, this is a question. Jacob White wants to ask. Um, for those of you on the podcast who do this whole game reviewing thing for a living, do you tend to have just one go- a game on the go at a time, or does it sometimes necessitate you playing more than one game at a time? You guys play a ton of games at one time, don't you? I, I'm I, often juggling, yeah. Yeah, I don't like to. If I had a choice, I would like to get all of my time with one game done in one go. The whole nature of sometimes having to be playing games for a long time back-to-back sometimes means that either I'm juggling multiple games or I will choose to, to switch between games I'm reviewing just to get myself a break from the one I've been playing for the last six hours. And it's not the way I'd like to review games, but it just kind of comes with the territory sometimes. Jim? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> since I obviously, like, handle a website on my own now, um, you know, if I, if I don't play it, I don't get reviewed, so sometimes I can review, you know, up to three games at once, uh, which which isn't how's as bad that, as it how's sounds. How's that I mean, Halo 5 review coming it. along, by the way? Uh, went up today, actually. Oh, really? I actually, yeah, finally put it up today. What, what did that, you think of it? That guy whose name we don't remember I'm got curi- his review. I'm curious to to know if you thought, like I did, that the last few hours of the game were an absolute chore. Um, a lot of my review talks about the boss fight, which I remember oh. you telling me about it yeah. back in the day, and I, I had no context for it. And the moment I saw it, I said, this is what Gavin was talking about. <laughs> oh, there he is again. Oh, there he is again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's two of him. Oh, there's three of him. Like, I have never... It's been a long time since... I won't say I've never been, but it's been a long time since I've been that mad at game design it, before, because that is some is, of the laziest, oh. most pathetic game design I've ever seen. And it's a shit Just boss Just reusing as well. the same shit... Yeah. With his one Because the game is... 
the game is so easy otherwise because you get hit, you get revived. It's it's very hard to die in Halo 5's campaign. Mm. And their answer to that was like, well, let's not bother rebalancing the game or changing things around. Let's just put in a boss that hits you and, and knocks you down and then can knock down mm. anyone trying that, to revive and you. And that chases you fast in a first-person shooter not designed to have a dodge mechanic. Yes. It it reminded me very much of, um, I think it was Saints Row 4, towards the end when the city's all glitching out. There was an area where there were like three creatures running around a point that you had to defeat that could all charge and knock you down. And the second you stood up, one of the others would be finishing its charge animation. You'd be knocked back down. I can't stand that And it's just like, hey, here is this enemy that we balanced for you fighting just one of them. Let's just throw a bunch of them at you. That will be tough. And I'm like, no, don't. Don't do that. Yeah, and like, I, I hesitate to call you know much game design lazy because you know even even the laziest looking games take a lot of effort most of the time mm. but when your answer to a problem is we need another we need a climactic boss fight let's just have the same boss we've already used a dozen times and put three of them in there or two of them in there I mean, halo, like that, that's a lazy decision you could you could call halo lazy because its gameplay hasn't changed since Five iterations. Well, really, technically six if you seven if you include Reach and I do have to say, yeah. I mean, the last Halo game I played to to its full conclusion was Halo Three, and playing Halo Five, like I, it it really isn't that different. (laughs) Like I, I struggle to think of of what was in Halo Five that and Halo Five had two things that Halo no Halo Three sorry had two things that Halo Five doesn't have. A really compelling narrative and big open areas with like really cool vehicle combat which i think that only happened like maybe once in halo 5 i think there was like two two or three times Mm. but even then they weren't big maps Mm. it was still very linear their vehicle sections Mm. Uh, they had they had uh, quite a few linear vehicle sections. There wasn't really that that sense of openness, mm. uh, which you, in fairness you do get in the multiplayer. You get in in Warzone, mm. uh, which I did like Warzone. I did find Warzone to be fun. Um, it's about the only part of the game that I found particularly interesting and, and, and entertaining. Uh, but that's also where all the microtransactions are, so I couldn't even enjoy that properly without just being annoyed. Mm. Um, another, but otherwise, another, total shite. Six out of ten. Another pet hate of mine that Halo 5 did is when they just plonk you in the campaign, they plonk you in one area and make you fend off like six or seven waves of enemies. I think that's so lazy to do that in a single player campaign. A lot of the design just reeked of of stuff being phoned in. Mm. Which I I just don't get why they did that. Um, That And the ending as well, that's just a fucking cliffhanger. I mean, the whole thing just... Yeah, it didn't have... That was another thing. It didn't have any real energy to it. Like, Halo 3 felt like a project that was made by people really into it. Like, the game brisked like a... I don't know, it just glistened with energy the whole game. And there were these big epic set pieces and just, I don't know, a lot more memorable stuff. It was stuff. very by the numbers, yeah. this this one. Yeah. And, and I don't understand the story. And I've been told that even with my limited Halo knowledge... Like even people who had been who are deep in the law found most of that plot to be incomprehensible. The, the plot is incomprehensible gibberish if you weren't listening to the podcast that was launching up until its release. Like lots of plot points in that new Halo game just don't make sense unless you listened to optional supplementary material outside the game, and I mean, they don't that's... tell you that in game, and that sucks. 
Why? Like it's like three four three just like picked up where Bunchy left off because I mean Bunchy's making all that those same narrative mistakes with Destiny, and that just seems to be a Bunchy hallmark is like this. Like, really yeah. poorly fleshed out stories in games that you need a whole bunch of supplementary yeah. material and for. And re- it's like 343 just thought, that's a good idea, let's do more of that, let's double down on that. Yeah, and that's, that's not no great. fucking sense. It, it makes you wonder if maybe someone at Microsoft is like, this is what we want the team making Halo to be like. And just no matter what team you put on this project, they're going to end up this way. And I hope that's not the case, because I'd like to see a day where we get back to some strong... Or stronger Halo storytelling. So, mm. yeah. Uh, what other questions do we have this week? Um, Intre- Mc- interesting to note that question wasn't about Halo. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah. I don't remember what it started being about. What was it about? Oh, multiple reviews. Mm. That was it. And um, I interrupted Jim. I'm going to get in trouble again from that one random person who thinks I always fine. interrupt you. <laughs> uh, we, we got an email back from that person that um, they were happy that, that there was less interruptions from Gavin, but... <laughs> Uh, they, they didn't like the fact that, that Gavin mocked them by de- doing fake interruptions. You see, the thing is, I have to interrupt them because otherwise they don't let me talk. <laughs> well, maybe that should tell you something, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question is from Jacob McClay. Scenario. Konami ceases to exist just today. What developer should purchase the licenses to which of their franchises? Bandai, like, who would you Bandai like Namco. See? And which ones would you like to see them buy? Uh, all of them, and because because judging by what they did with um, with From Games, they place value on the artistic side of games, and they also seem to know how to promote them in the West. They- God, I tell you what, like getting from software to make a silent hill game might be my ultimate mm. fantasy oh my god that would be fucking amazing well this this is the mm. thing is namco bandai like you might not like everything they put out but they definitely understand like what do the fans of this particular thing want out of the experience let's leave the developer and let them make the thing that the fans want it to be yeah like it might be like from software and it's like hey this is really Stuff that a few years ago you'd have been laughed away from making. No, you're good at it. Just just do that and the fans will like it. We know that. We're not going to mess with you. On the mm. other end of the spectrum, it's like, hey, it's a Naruto fighting game. You want to have big and spectacle not... and not much challenge? That's good. That's what the fans want. And, they've, they've put out yeah. some pretty risky games at times as well. Like I'm, I'm sad that Enslaved didn't do well because that was mm. a lovely story. And They had... They... They released Enslaved and Margin and the Forsaken Kingdom in one year, and both of them mm. were fantastic, and both of them failed. If it really did suck if, for them. If you're following this podcast and you're a fan of like Jim and Laura's content, it I feel like Enslaved would be a game whose story you would probably enjoy. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of. Uh, I'm, I don't want to ruin it, but it's great. It's really, really, really. It, it is a fantastic yeah. game. I just, mm-hmm. it, it's, tr- I've said it before, but it's a fucking tragedy that that thing never got mm-hmm. the attention and the, the success that I feel it deserved. Yeah. A br- like, really brilliant pair of lead. Like Andy Circus is amazing, and the girl who was mm-hmm. the other lead character is mm-hmm. wonderful as well. Trip. I've, yeah. I've just had a thought of who should maybe buy one of their franchises. I specifically, uh, I was thinking about Sony yeah. Studios, and I think. Naughty Dog should buy Metal Gear. Because I'd like to see them basically take Metal Gear and just make it a little more comprehensible, but still have that sort of level of polish and presentation. 
I think they could do a really good Metal Gear, metal gear game. I don't I know. I think for me personally, personally, I'm happy with Metal Gear. Never, like, there never being another Metal Gear Solid game well, again. Yeah, but um, we know that's never going to happen. We, we know that's never going to happen. And if it was up for sale, someone would buy it. it. But, and if someone yeah, was going well, to buy it, choose... it would be an awful shame not to do anything else on that amazing engine. If anything. Oh, I mean, the engine, sure. But I'm just, like, in terms of story, like, yeah. Metal Gear Solid probably should have stopped with four, maybe even three, in terms of narrative. Um, well, I think there was some good narrative, like, some narrative plot holes that were nicely concluded that made sense of, of, of that character in five, but. I could certainly, like, I wouldn't be bothered if there was never another one, but if someone was going to buy it, I think Naughty Dog could do a decent job of taking it and maybe doing a new standalone story that's not part of the whole convoluted current narrative and being like, hey, here's a standalone Metal Gear story. And they could probably do a decent job with that. You know what's interesting about Metal Gear 5? I was thinking this the other day. If that had come out as as the stealth game that it is, that, and it didn't have the Metal Gear label attached, and it didn't have the expectations of a Metal Gear story, it probably would have ended up being a lot of people's shock game of the year. Because the, mm. people, like, there was a bit of a backlash to it, but it's easy to forget what an amazing stealth game it was. It It is an amazing stealth game, and I'm glad that I played it as someone that, you know, is trying to, like, learn... Mm. is trying to learn the Metal Gear lore... I feel like it did some really valuable things for the for that series lore. Like it, it closed up some plot it, holes that I imagined would never get filled in. And I'm kind of disappointed that it went over as like lukewarmly as it did. Yeah, because I feel like Metal Gear 5 for stealth games is to me what um, Dark Souls did for RPGs in that it just was so good mechanically that it ruined other ga- other games in the same genre, you know? I, it put them all to shame, yeah. especially recent recent stealth games. You, you know what I think my the biggest problems looking back at, um, at Metal Gear Solid Five were for me? We saw far, 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 far too much of that game's cutscenes in trailers before launch. Like, if you were watching the trailers as they came out, pretty much, like, right up to the last couple of cutscenes in the game were still being shown in trailers. Mm. Uh, that is a big problem for that game. There was one so trailer much, that so was literally the, the second last cutscene in the game, the entire cutscene. Exactly. Scene. Like, the final cutscene in the game, okay, that's not in there. But otherwise, there, like, like, get, there are bits did, of pretty much every other cutscene was out before the Did game. anyone else reach that cutscene with the giant Metal Gear and think, oh, I must be about halfway through the game now, and, and then it just ended? <laughs> yep. yep. And then, I still, still could not believe what I was seeing when I saw the credits roll. And the thing that still shocks me about that whole thing is where it's like, oh, yeah, do you want to look at that mission that we cut that would have been, like, the actual conclusion to that whole giant robot thing? It would have been epic. Uh, Aren't you you sad that we never got... that we didn't make it? Liquid! that, That mission that got cut feels like the conclusion that game needed to do really well. Well, it's probably going to be a DLC, isn't it? Or it's going to be Metal Gear Solid... Six. If it if it was, that's the thing. I want that piece of content, but I've also seen the entirety of it now, which leads me to believe that it's never being made. I'm not too pushed about not getting. It. I mean, Liquid was an obnoxious little shit in that game, and I was yeah, pretty happy when he left. <laughs> I I like the conclusion to that particular narrative arc it was addressing, and 
I liked the idea of it ending on a big, big budget action set piece. Yeah. Which it didn't. But yeah, there are some things that definitely worked against Metal Gear, and I don't begrudge anyone who felt lukewarm on it, because I kind of do. I think it was fantastic, but there are big things that I look back on and just go, show me less of the game before it's out. Take a, like, take a page out of Rockstar's book in that regard. And don't show me a bloody cool mission that would have resolved some narrative plot points and then don't give me it. Yeah. So, yeah, again, talking about a thing and, that wasn't And probably the also don't promise the entire premise of the story is something it's not. Yeah. I'm I can't say, other... obviously can't say too much yeah. about that, but... Yeah. Well, I... Basically, don't make your very last game if you're a director... <laughs> what is essentially a side story <laughs> well kind of but it it does add it adds a lot to that character there is yeah. understanding the way that game ends does give you some valid like oh this is how that stuff that didn't make sense now kind of makes sense with this in mind um, yeah. talk, talking about Konami like back to the question of Konami's properties that should be sold off oh shit are, there was a yeah, question attached what, to this wasn't yeah, there <laughs> what, what other things do Konami have other than Silent there's, Hill and Metal Gear. There's another one. There's Konami another one. Konami Hyper Soccer. Who's going to buy that? Someone needs to buy Konami Hyper Soccer. I, I, will, I will buy it and I will replace all of the in-game audio with um, are you doing a sports ball? And then all the sports fans will get upset because I was very edgy with my humour. <laughs> What's the third big franchise they have that I by like? Sports balls, by sports ball, she of course means cricket. Yes, yes. The, the, the true game of sports ball you might find. Uh, Konami friends. Castlevania Castlevania oh. is another one, yes Oh, That might be what Nam- I was Namco Gav's answer from before I think they do really well with Castlevania actually mm. I could see them handling that with care Again, who, give it to um, Software. Let's have a FromSoft who, Castlevania Who publishes um, Devil May Cry? Capcom oh. Yeah oh dear, I well. did think for a second, I was like, is that them? Uh Bomberman, that was one of theirs. Mm. Well, they did Bomberman Act Zero. They also did Bomberman sixty four. Yeah, they they uh, weren't they were they the ones that actually bought Hudson Soft? Yeah. Oh, uh, they probably were. I they, can't remember. I've been making Bomberman mistakes for like the past two or three weeks in my gym positions. <laughs> keep having to correct myself because I keep getting wrong who was in charge of what Bomberman. Yeah. Games. Oh, I've just seen one that Konami have. That Uh-oh. I I want to buy Yu-Gi-Oh. Konami have the Yu-Gi-Oh license, and I want to buy it because we're getting to the year of VR, and I want to play play Yu-Gi-Oh in VR and they watch did, my Exodia blow up Kaiba. They did in the American Idol VR. game as well. I think it's very important that that historic series ends up in the right hands. <laughs> um. So yeah. Whoever I, I want whoever makes VR things to buy Yu-Gi-Oh! so I can get my Yu-Gi-Oh! VR game, please. Thank you very much. Um, Damn, got- Konami's CV here is actually pretty shit, with the exception of like Metal Gear and Pro Evo and Silent Hill. Oh, they, they've released a lot of trash. I they, mean, they, they, did, they did Zone of the They Enders. got lucky with some really big names, and they've had... The, the talent they've had is like so enviable over the years. Mm. Uh, you know, people that they've just let go and Kojima was like the last big, big name they had. They let go of people at Team Silent. They lost um, Fuji. They lost mm. um, Iga. You know, they lost so many of these fucking. They they 
they they are the classic people that did not know what they had mm. when they had it. They had a stable of talent that I think would have been the envy of the Japanese game development world, and they pissed it oh, all away. Oh man, Konami! Yeah. They they published um, Super Contra. Yeah, now that, they now did. that was yeah. a fucking game. There is one of their games. Hey, in like the UK, was, was it called Probotector in the UK? Because it was called Probotector in Ireland. I think it was called Probotector, They replaced yeah. the muscle men with, like, robots. Yeah, because you can't have kids beating up actual soldiers. It's got to be video Is that game what it was? I, want, I wonder robots. why that actually... Uh, violence concerns, probably. That was a um, hard fucking game. <laughs> it was. There is, they do have one other thing I would like to see sold off. I would like to see Platinum Games by Zone of the Enders. That that I could see working. I want to see a platinum big old mecha robot game. So is Zone of the Enders something to do with that Enders game movie, or is that a completely no, different? No, 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 very different. This is basically guy has a crazy mech robot and you fly it around beating stuff up. It was pretty cool. What is an Ender? Is that literally like just the name of a, a robot? That's like I'm, I like ending things. Is that why it's called an Ender? That is that is effectively it. The Enders they end things. Right. Um, we got a question from David Anderson, which I suspect Gav might duck out of because I don't know. Do you, do you have thoughts on this? Uh, which video game controller peripheral would you do you think would make the best a best sex toy? And this is from David Anderson. Hmm. Well, I'm looking at the PS4 one, and it seems like it could do a good double team job. I I feel like to me the obvious answer on this is the Wii Remote. It seems purpose built for that. It's about the right size and shape, and it vibrates. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of anyone more universally. I mean, you could turn any one of them into something if you're ambitious yeah. and, in, and creative and don't mind ruining your, your fleshly body. Mm-hmm. But I think the Wii is the safest bet. It's a good starter item, but I feel even um, old hands would be able to do something with a Wii remote. Mm-hmm. The Wii Remote just, is just definitely the, the like PS4 the easy one mode is beginner's choice. The PS4 one is certainly more phallic than the uh, the Xbox one. Yeah, the Xbox one... And it has one, quite the, an intense vibration function, doesn't it? Yeah. The Xbox One controller, I look at it a little bit scared. I'm like, oh, oh, I don't want to think about the damage that might yeah. do. Yeah. The PS4's like softened edges. It's more, you know, it's a bit more inviting. The yeah. Steam controller is a weird thing. I'm pretty sure because it's a PC controller, you could configure it to do all sorts of like patterns of rumbling fairly easily. Screw you guys, PC master race. I'm going to shove a mouse and keyboard up my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you're into water sports, the Connect is really good to piss on. <laughs> <laughs> do you know this from personal experience? Dude, there isn't a there isn't a connect in the United States that I haven't urinated all over by now. Plus, plus it helped my sex life because we had um, a bed with a broken thing, and I used I can use my um, connect to prop up the bed. There you go. There, yeah. there you go. There's a back of the box quote for like the next. You can use of it connect to prop up release. your broken bed. Um, improved Gavin Dunn's sex life. He yeah. is a rock star. That is a lie, by the way. Um, I cannot possibly improve my sex life oh of course of course you can't improve upon perfection of course um let's have a look any other last questions we got in the uh, the group this week um oh gosh chris chase onions wants to ask 
with all the sexual tension revolving around the will they won't they between Laura and Jim. We... It's exactly like Moonlighting, by the way. It's, it's going very well. Indeed. Is there a chance that we'll ever see a will-they-won't-they they relationship evolve around Gavin and Bono? <laughs> oh, because Bono's Irish. Ah. Yeah, yeah, they oh, were very clever I, with I their jokes there. I see what you did there. No one's and ever said that one it's before It's another Irish me. musician. Yeah. Will, will you and Bono? Won't you and Bono? Yeah, no, no one's ever actually mentioned Bono to me before. Because no. he's Irish and I'm Irish and he's and a musician. Not. Yeah, no, I feel no. Like we, Just we, like we you know, nobody ever says then. Lucky Charms to me or potatoes or oh, you know. Have you ever had Lucky Charms on a potato with some vodka? I've never had Lucky Charms. We don't have Lucky Charms in Ireland. We don't really have them in England, but Poundland sometimes yeah. has them. I've tried them. That is the reason why, like America, is is has an obesity epidemic problem. Yeah. Like that is oh, that Laura, is that is sugar. All breakfast cereal out here is like that. Yeah, like, I don't eat I'm, breakfast cereal. I am. I don't eat bread. Now. Like I've, bread is like stale cake. Like everything's yeah. ridiculously oh, sweet. Out While here. I was in LA, I tried bread, and yeah, your bread is like it's like cake. Mm-hmm. It tastes like but cake. Like, Cake that had been left in the shop window for a bit too long. Yeah, it's kind of dry bread cake, and that's yeah, weird. Like, yeah. If I want bread, I have to go to a special market and get like like a French baguette or something because that'll actually you can't taste just like proper go, you bread. can't just go to Aldi and for fifty p get like a nice proper loaf of white bread. Yeah. yeah, I miss that. You know, <laughs> go you pop into like your Aldi or whatever, or you know whatever's nearby. You get a loaf of bread and some you know peanut butter or pickle or whatever and you've got your lunches for like two weeks exactly and i don't know how i could live without that bread is a staple of my diet uh we got a question from just Walsh. just oh. j- just to actually answer that my actual will they won't they is gray carter <laughs> okay let's yes <laughs> everyone who follows get... us on twitter knows that at some point we need to get gray on here just so we can make the will they oh, won't someone's they knocking on my door hang on canon. it's probably gray <laughs> Oh, Gavin, come here so I can... I, I don't know what grey sounds like, but so I can touch your body. He doesn't body, sound like that. Touch your naked body. <laughs> oh, I'm grey. I'm going to lick you all over the nipples, Gavin. We ain't getting grey on this show. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve the oxygen of publicity or the attention. <laughs> That's definitely grey. Yeah. Come round for I'll, I'll be here to lick your penis in a bit. Sorry, babe. That girlfriend just That's... came home and forgot her keys again. Oh, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. We believe you. We believe it wasn't that Grey. That story, <laughs> Grey tells you. Yeah, Grey was here wanting you to lick his penis. We know. It's fine. I've um, never... I, I, you know, I've actually never met Grey in person, and she keeps she keeps saying, when are you and Grey going to meet up? And I'm like, well, Gapist Expo doesn't happen anymore, so... Are you are you afraid that the sexual tension will just be too much if, if you meet Grey in person, and you'll exactly. just rip your clothes off out of sheer, like, oh, God, I have to? Exactly. I'm, I'm just okay. going to explode. I'm glad. I've heard actually. I've heard that it's your lifelong ambition to be on Grey's Anatomy. Ah, uh, <laughs> that was good. That, that, that was, was good. That was wordplay. That pun was great. Uh, of course, if if it depends how many of our listeners actually know who Grey Carter is, mm. otherwise I've just wasted one of my best jokes I'm ever going to do. Mm. He's a Can cunt. That's who he, if you're wondering who he is, he's a cunt. <laughs> Uh, if you, if you look for those at... who don't know, he he does the uh, the web comic Critical Miss on the Escapist, and and, and he's pretty much what Gavin said. He, as well. he it is a very, to be fair, it is a very good comic, and you should check it out. 
he pretty much spends his days like tweeting horrible things at Gavin so Gavin can tweet horrible things back and so yeah. that they can have all of the tension of a they hate each other but but they actually love each other relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and he can't actually beat the first enemy in Evil Within. He's that bad at games. Yeah, yeah he's terrible he's, at games. He's pretty shit at games. Uh, we've got a question from Horsh Krish- Hawk Krishna quickly. Um, oh, old Hawkey. Yeah, Hawkey. Uh, do you hope that Toby Fox's next game is an Undertale sequel or something entirely different? Different. Different. That That is a guy who can make intelligent games. I don't want to see him retread the same ground. Yeah, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him make like something that doesn't different. have turn-based bullet hell in it. <laughs> something Gav can play next, please, Toby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gavin, are there any other genres or mechanics you dislike? Uh. I'm gonna need a, li- a list of at least two. Yeah. Also, uh, do you know Bono or not? No. Oh. Everyone uh, sees Bono over here. Well, they used to. I mean, he's like, didn't he move to the Netherlands? Probably. Yeah. That sounds like Actually, Bono would do. Funny thing, Probably Irish people closer to his offshore bank account. Irish people really don't give a fuck about celebrities. Like, there's so many celebrities who come here for their holidays specifically for that reason. Because, like, like when Jay Z and Beyonce came here, they went to the park, and everyone is just like, "Oh, look, there's Jay Z and Beyonce," and everyone completely left them alone. <laughs> and that does sound good. Yeah. Well, yeah. So basically, I want to see I want to see Toby Fox take two new genres that uh, Gavin is not good at and dislikes and mash them <laughs> oh, together in an RTS. intelligent way. I'm terrible okay. at RTS. Uh, what about sports games? Are you good at sports games? No, fucking rubbish okay. at them. Let's do a sports game RTS that is also somehow a bullet hell shooter. There we I'm go. Not, I'm not um, good at any specific kind of game, Laura. I'm pretty bad at games. <laughs> Uh, I can manage to play first-person shooters because I've spent so much time doing it. But it's fine. I'm bad at I'm bad at video games too. Don't yeah. tell the internet, or yeah, they'll yeah. take away my being allowed to be a video game critic card. We're not real Actually, gamers. Yeah. To yeah, be fair, sometimes you see like shit. sometimes I see like reviews of like video reviews by like I don't know who like Gamespot or IGN or, or, or whoever, and it is really frustrating if the player is really bad. You're like, what are you doing? This this has been a big thing for me being terrified of um, starting to do video stuff. Because here's, here's an example. I can't talk about what I saw yesterday, but by next week there'll be, like, a lot of footage of the game I played yesterday. Is it Dark Souls 3? Is it Dark Souls 3? Uh, not yet, but here's, here's a secret. I'm going to be playing a bunch of Dark Souls 3 next month, probably. Ooh. Ooh I'm jealous. Um, when is that but, coming out? It's some point in the next few months i think I can't it's like not that far that. away i'm gonna i really yeah. i'm i'm determined to play that game really slowly i want because I, I rushed through every game last year because there were so many i want to just take that, dark souls 3 that is so a slow good that is a good idea i really hope that like i have the ability to do that but mm. um oh yeah no because you guys are yeah, gonna have to review it work stuff but yeah yeah the, my point being i caught like i captured like three hours of footage at an, at an event yesterday and there is about 25 minutes of it that I'm glad is not being published because it was just me dying over and over and over again to a section within the first few hours of said game. So, yeah, I'm not very good at video games and I'm very glad that I had to cut down that footage because it meant I could cut out the bit where I kept dying. Hooray for video work. Um, have we got time for one last one to wrap up? Yeah. Yeah, let's do yeah, one more not? and then I'm going to try and get my spine 
cracked back into place. That's all right. Uh, we got one just for Gavin to end up with this week, and this is from Jane Erith Magnet. Hello, Jane. Do Arith you know Magnet? Bono? Pardon? Do I know Bono? Nothing. I was just guessing. Yes. The no. In fact, Bono, they're talking about you again. <laughs> hey guys, what's what's going on? Hey, hey, hey! Gav sent me in to talk to you, but listen, what? I'm really busy right now. We're making Bono. a new album called Bono. "The Third World Is My Oyster." Bono, Bono, have you got time for one question from me before we get on to Jane's question? All right, um, shoot, Laura. Um, um, there's been a lot of talk recently about the will they, won't they romantic sexual tension between you and Gavin. Will you or won't you? Well, you know, we make music together, and that, in a way, is is the greatest expression of sexual intimacy is when I sing in your ears. That is is the confirmation of yes, I'd fuck Gavin that I needed to hear. Thank you very much, Bono. Thank you. Hey, get out now. Go on. See ya. Gav, are you back now for your yeah, actual yeah, question? Yeah, sorry about that. He just always wants to be the centre of attention. Oh, that's that's okay. We, we're we willing to let him fight for some of your airtime. Yeah. Actually, just Bono, let him stop, come in instead of you. Stop punching Geldof. Um, question for Gavin. Give him back his razor. <laughs> Jesus. If you could see any of your songs done in a different genre, which song and in what style? Um... Well, there's I've seen some really nice cover versions of my stuff by other people, and I always like when they do change the style. Like somebody did uh, a kind of electro version of Amnesia that was really nice, and another girl called Charmyx, I think that's how you pronounce it, who I will be collaborating soon with, did a really nice version of Half Man Song. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I would like to see Kate Bush cover my songs. <laughs> There's my answer. <laughs> okay, we will get on contacting Kate Bush for you, like, right this instant. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there we go. That's probably a good place to wrap up. We done We done did one of them long ones we hadn't done for a while. That sounds good. Oh, Jesus, um, an hour Apologies 40. to listeners wow. for me being a little bit out of sorts this week. Like I said, I'm on on things and... Yeah, really still trying to get myself recovered. Um, but I hope you enjoyed the show anyway. Uh, Laura, if people need to know more about you and the work you do, where the hell can they get it? Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter. Laura K. Buzz on Patreon, which pays the bills. Laura K. Buzz on YouTube, where I'm currently doing, at the very least, three episodes of Let's Plays every day. Um, I've doubled them in length, so they're now 20 minutes long rather than 10 minutes long each episode, so that's the thing people asked for. Other than that, laurakbuzz.com, pretty much everything goes up there. Destructoid Monday to Friday, you'll see me doing news and featurey stuff. I think that's about it, just Laura K. Buzz everywhere. Splendid. And Gavin, you and Bono with your your famous collabs do all sorts of things on the internet, and where can we find out about those? You can look up Miracle of Sound on Twitter, and you can look up Miracle of Sound on YouTube, where the latest song is called Some Things Never Change and while I might have said it's about Fallout, it's actually about Americans saying Bono, Potato and Lucky Charms to me. Because that never changes. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you all for listening. We will be back with you next week. Uh, There will not be a spin-off Doctor's show next week. (laughs) I just want to reiterate that is uh, every two weeks uh, and Podquisition is every week. Uh, So that's your schedule for the Jimquisition podcast. audio feed yeah, I guess you're, we could you're, call it. you're not escaping having us every week like I saw some people being like oh does that mean that we're alternating and shows I'm like nope 
Nope. Oh no. Nothing stops this You're going to have to get a guest rolling. at the end of February because I'm going to be away. For, yeah, for we, like one yeah, Gavin, Wednesday. Gavin will be away. Mm. Uh, well, we'll get Bono to fill in for him. <laughs> we've had, we've had a lot of, of suggestions of guests. I haven't picked one yet, so if you have don't a guest you dare, that you'd... Don't you dare get Angry Joe while I'm gone. <laughs> if, if anyone out there has got suggestions of who they'd like to see on the show, drop me a tweet. Let me know. I will, at some point in the next couple of weeks, be looking around for guests for jo- that week Jonathan that Gavin's Blow. gone. I'll get Peter Molyneux on. It'll be great. <laughs> So yeah, there's that. We we done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. Okie dokie. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.